Hello and welcome. You're listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. My name's Jennifer Huber, and I'm the Communications Director at Faith Bible. Each week, I'm going to sit down and speak with Pastor Brad about the message we heard on Sunday and a forward look to what we have coming up next week. Through casual conversation, we will explore additional thoughts to the text, additional ways to prep for the coming Sunday, and not only that, we're going to grow in our love and understanding and knowledge of God's Word. Now, let's jump to the conversation. Welcome to this Sunday follow-up. Hi, Pastor Brad. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks. So what did the Myers do this weekend? You know, we had a good weekend, obviously finishing prepping for uh, for the message on Sunday. I had some schoolwork that I finished up. But on Saturday uh, morning, we got the chance to go out and we took some family pictures. It had been, man, a year or two uh, since we'd taken any family pictures and for those of you that know my family, you know, okay. we've got one extra child that we were looking at all of our say, pictures. So was Gabe in the last round of pictures? He wasn't. No, oh, he wasn't. Okay. And that was part of it is like we, we took some pictures a few years ago when we just had the two. And then we took some more pictures, I think, in 2021 where we didn't have Gabe yet in the okay. pictures and it was the three. Um, and so we're like, we should probably get some pictures done uh, that include all of our family yeah. at this point. So, I bet they turned out great. I yeah, can't wait to see them. I, I think they I think they turned out well. Um, it was kind of a birthday present for my wife uh, and follow up to that. Now, in all fairness, my three-year-old was not a huge fan of pictures. <laughs> like he's so in, in, in nearly every picture, he's like upset and he's not a, he's not an unhappy kid like he's a very he yeah. just he thought it was fun to tease mom yeah, and I can't, frown I can't in every quite, picture. Oh, so he was being silly Jake. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Jake Jake was was in uh I was in an interesting mood that, that was... way. But it's family pictures, you know. It's like I, <laughs> I I I would criticize except like the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. I'm not a family pictures guy, so yeah. it feels like in order to get a family picture everyone has to be upset, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so So do we need to go to Chuck Llewellyn and say, "Can we see some family pictures of Brad?" Uh, pr- probably. I but, but they not they may not have been able to they may not have been willing to tackle that one when I was that age. Uh, I'm not I don't know. I'm sure we have some family pictures around, but I don't have a lot of memories of taking yeah. formal family pictures growing up. Same. Isn't it interesting when we get to watch ourselves as children? Oh man, it's 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 a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it you know, is. It's, it is it, indeed. It's endearing and it's also convicting. Well, that's good. It sounds like the Myers had a great weekend, and we can't wait to see some uh, family pictures, maybe on a Christmas card or a <laughs> we, we sixteen did. by twenty in your office. That's it. That's it. Uh, it <laughs> might make it into that. my living room. <laughs> I look forward to that. Well, that's great. I'm I'm glad to have you here today. Um, let's get into it. So. We always like to start with a recap of Sunday, and yesterday you tackled the last half, I guess, if you will, of First Corinthians seven. Well, it's it's really the middle. It's the, really the middle portion. There's, uh, I kind of hinted at it on Sunday. Like we we covered the whole idea of you know marriage and sexual mm-hmm. intimacy last week. Uh, then there's kind of this funny little. It's not a parenthetical, but it almost feels that way in the middle. And then the end of the chapter deals directly with singleness. You know, mm-hmm. he's touching on these two subjects, and he sandwiches this text right in between them, um, which I think is intentional. I mean, he's addressing okay. two different questions that the Corinthian church has. One is obviously related to what do we do with our marriages and divorce. That's the subject he, he deal with at the beginning. But then, obviously, he also has this segue in verse 25 of chapter 7, now concerning the betrothed. So they must have asked him some sort of question, right? So he's addressing okay. these two questions, but right in between them, in the middle, he deals with this idea, right? Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And so that was really the focus of, of Sunday's message, that idea of, of contentment. I called the message the case for contentment, you know, because he's, he's dealing with these varying different circumstances and their discontentment with either being married or being unmarried, right? Some are discontent because they're married. Some are discontent because they're not married. And he really looks at this church and he says, 
you need to practice obedience in all circumstances, right? Like your biggest issue is not your circumstances. It's not what's going on around you that is mm-hmm. keeping you from being obedient to God. He's not calling you to do something that he's not going to enable you to do in that moment. And so we ought to be able to be content in all circumstances. And so basically the key point was pursue obedience and contentment in whatever situation God has placed you. And stressing that idea, which is, in our culture, it's so easy to kind of get away from that and to find ourselves being discontented, living for something in the future, you know, Mm -hmm. something, some possession we don't own, Mm -hmm. some relational situation we're not in yet, some future reality, some job, some location, um, whatever. We want everybody else's Instagram feeds instead of our own lives. So if you had five more minutes on Sunday... There was a lot to cover. Yeah. What what is something that you you felt that you would wanted to have expounded on, or what is something that maybe didn't make it into the message that you want to give us five more minutes? Yeah, the benefit of of only covering eight verses, I've tackled a whole lot more in some of our other messages. The benefit was it was shorter, uh, which should have helped me more than it did. Sure. Um, but there's always things that don't make it into the message. Um, if I can say, maybe there was one extra and one caveat that I might have addressed more in the message. The first was that. That idea of keeping the Lord's commandments in verse 19. I didn't really get the chance to go into it more, uh, more detail, right? Paul writes, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Which is okay. a fascinating thing to think. You know, if you think of you know, Paul as a Jew mm-hmm. and the way that message would have fallen on a Jewish audience going, Wait, hold on a second, Paul. Like, I thought that being circumcised was part of that was a command in the Old Testament and this whole idea, right? And so what, what is Paul doing? What is he seeking to accomplish in this whole discussion? Why, why is he saying what he's saying? Is he saying that what they were doing, what the Jews did in the Old Testament didn't matter? The law didn't matter? Well, clearly that's not the case. Paul doesn't write that way about the law, particularly in the book of Romans. But that's where, that's where a verse like, I think, Galatians 5, 6 comes in really handy, right? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And it's this idea that it's like it's it's not it's not the ritual. It's not about this physical practice of circumcision. It's not about the externals. It's about this heart of a desire to follow God and a desire to be obedient to God's commandments. It's not about just this external conformity. You know, but that's an interesting thing. Like again, I'm like, yeah, I wish I could have explained a little bit more that sort of idea. What would have been going through the minds of the Jews as yeah. they were hearing that sort of a comment? Like Paul, that doesn't make any sense. I am obeying the commands by being circumcised. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? The other, the other text that I would have liked to bring up that I didn't really have time to talk about at all is, is Romans 2. Uh, Romans 2, 25 through 29, Paul really addresses this subject in a little bit more detail. Uh, he says, For circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So ironically there, he's saying, like, it's not about this physical thing. It's about obedience to the law, right? Mm-hmm. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically circumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and the circumcision but break the law, right? And he wraps up this whole thing by talking about it's not about outward appearance, it's about inward change, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And I really think that's consistent with what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians as well. He's saying, like, you guys are so worried about the externals. You're so worried about the the Jew and Gentile divide or the slave and free divide, you're worried about all these cultural external things. What really matters is what's going on in the heart. You know, I mean, what it's like Jesus said, right? What is the greatest command? He says, mm-hmm. love the Lord your God with yep. all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not that the law was bad. That's not mm-hmm. the point. Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good gift, mm-hmm. but it was meant to drive people to the right place with the heart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you missed all that. You're all concerned about the externals. 
So some of that background I think I would have yeah. liked to include a little bit more. Well, I always think that's good to, to know the history. One of the things that I wrote down in my notes is that the law was everything in Paul's day. Exactly. You said to even reference back to Acts 22, I believe it was, and read through verses 1 through 11 where you where Paul laid out... Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Wh- ...how he grew up or how he was educated. Yeah, is yeah. That, is that... Saying that correctly, what yeah, you said? Yeah, yeah, Taking note of that during Paul's day, we don't talk about the law and circumcision like that in our modern yeah. day culture. So how do we take what how Paul phrased it and, and put that into play in 2022? One of those things is, is really the, the overall message of of what 1 Corinthians is talking about. Like the, the Corinthian church, they were concerned with all sorts of things. They were concerned with the leaders they had, they were concerned with the gifts they had, they were concerned mm-hmm. with the status they had in society, they were they were concerned with everything else. Which doesn't really sound that different. <laughs> Which sounds a lot like us today, yeah. right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like the, the flashpoint for us may be different than the flashpoint for them, mm-hmm. um, but the reality is for most of us, we're living for a standard that we have set or a standard that we've allowed somebody else to set in our lives yeah. rather than living for well done, good and faithful servant, mm-hmm. right? Like can, can I live in light of the fact that I'm looking for the approval of one? You know, am I living for that or am I concerned with what other people say? You know, I mean, Paul earlier in the book said, right, I'm, I'm not really concerned about what you think of me. And that wasn't an egotistical way. It wasn't like right. he didn't, didn't care what the people thought. He was, right. he was visiting and writing and he cared about this church, clearly. That's very clear from what he said. But like their evaluation of his ministry wasn't the point. And it wasn't I think from, his end game. Exactly. Like I think for most of us, we need to be reminded of that. Like mm-hmm. what other people think of our lives, what other people think of our circumstances, Ultimately, isn't the point. Are we living for the glory of God? Are we living for that audience of one? That I think is the really, really thing. And and that would actually speak to kind of the, the caveat that I was going to say on this point. You know, something that I didn't go into detail mm-hmm. much as well either. Kind of a a yeah, but sort of that didn't make it into the message. When which is basically asking the question like, well, okay, so Brad, if we're called to be content and obedient in all circumstances, mm-hmm. when do we change? Like when when am I allowed yeah. to change my circumstances? We talked a little bit about the the first idea as far as like this positive opportunity. Verse twenty one, he says, right, if you were a served a servant, don't be concerned about it. But if you gain your can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. So he says, like, if there's this positive opportunity. There's something to pursue. That's he, great. He didn't say don't keep working for it. Exactly. Yeah. He says if this, if this door opens up, go ahead and go through it. You know, he, he talks about that sort of an idea. Uh, he also talks about, in verse 19, right, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. But what matters? Keeping the law, right? Or keeping the commandments of God, right? Obedience. So he, he sets up these ideas that, like, if you see a way that you can, you know, have this positive opportunity mm-hmm. and pursue in your life, Paul's not saying that's not, a, not an okay thing to do. He's also not saying that, like, if you're in a situation where you can't be obedient to God, you know, if there's something like, again, if you're in a sinful situation where you're being called to do something that God commands you not to do, you got to get out of the situation, right? Both of those are caveats. Those are, those are the realities. But, Mm -hmm. but what he's saying is like the condition of that is you need to be content and obedient right where you are. So like assume that you need to be content and you need to be obedient in your current circumstances. But if there's a positive opportunity, go for it, you know, and if there's something preventing you from being obedient, clearly go for it. But that speaks to kind of the segue, right? Because it's it's all about the glory of God. But the point is to be content and obedient where you are. And it's about God's glory. It's not about our own personal immediate happiness. Yeah, that's good. So so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm if I'm driving in my car right now on the way to work or I'm running my kids to a to a soccer practice or whatever. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but what is my practical application of that? We we hear a lot in in the church, you know, be content. God is sovereign. Where you are is not an accident. And I know in some personal um, struggles of my life that I look back and go, 
okay, Lord, you are sovereign. You had you have the the control over the situation, but that discontentment of so then take why don't you take away my situation? Yeah. How do you encourage someone when you say to stay content and obedient? What does that practically look like? How how do I yeah. do that? It's a really good question. You know, one of the things we met with the young adult group after church on Sunday for, you know, lunch, you know, afterward. And one of the questions I asked them is like, as we read Philippians 4, 11 through 13, which I read on Sunday, right? Yeah. This whole idea, I've learned to be content in yeah. whatever situation I'm in. And I asked like, what causes the discontentment in your heart? Like, what is the main thing that's causing that discontentment? And how can you submit that to Christ? You know, like, what is it that I'm anxious about? What is it that I'm struggling to be content about? Identify that in your heart. And they say, why am I having a hard time submitting that to Christ? What's the difference about Paul, right? How can Paul learn, say, I learned to be content? How did he learn to be content? Right. Well, practically, he went through a whole lot of really hard situations, right? Mm-hmm. He went through being shipwrecked. He went through being stoned. He went yeah. through being in prison. He went through like all sorts of difficult situations. And he had to learn this practice of cultivating contentment in mm-hmm. his own heart. And it's interesting because if you go back, and this is another thing I didn't get the chance to talk about on Sunday, but if you go back a few verses in Philippians 4, the immediate exhortations before that are some really, really practical keys to how we can kind of cultivate contentment in our own hearts. He lists off four things that we that we can do to produce contentment in our own hearts in verses 4 through 9. Um, he says, first, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, hmm. right? Like yeah. he, he's like, okay, so how did I, how was Paul singing in prison rather than being frustrated because right. he was in a dark, dangy, you know, right. damp, terrible prison, right? right? Praise produces contentment. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for like when we praise God, when we sing together as a church, when you sing privately and worship God, mm-hmm. it produces a contentment because it, it grounds real realities in your heart and it reminds you of perspective, that my circumstances are not what everything's about. There's something greater mm-hmm. when we praise God for who he is. He goes on in verse 5 and 6 and he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, right? That's con- discontentment, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, right? He goes on and he says, prayer produces contentment in our own hearts. You know, when we turn those things over to God and we don't struggle with trying to like fix them ourselves and like, mm-hmm. I need, what I need most is a change in my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well, think about praying a little bit differently. Rather than praying for God change my circumstances, this is so hard. It's like, God give me the faith and the endurance to persevere through this circumstance. Yes more than change my circumstance. So prayer produces contentment in our hearts. He goes on in verse 7, and he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This defense of your heart against discontentment, peace produces contentment, Mm -hmm. right? This idea of, and peace is a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, right? That's sort of an idea. Like this idea of being comfortable with where God has placed you, right? It surpasses all understanding. It's not because it makes sense in the world's terms. It's because you know there's a greater reality out there. You know God is sovereign. He cares for you. So why would he give you the circumstance, you know, in asking that sort of question? Mm -hmm. And then lastly, in verses 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you, right? Mm. The last thing he says is that practice produces contentment, right? Like right. we rehearse these things. Mm-hmm. We practice focusing on the things that are good and just and honorable and lovely rather than dwelling and meditating on the negative circumstances of our lives. This isn't just kind of a, a self-help sort of idea. They're like, well, just 
positivity, you know, power of positive thinking. Right. That's that's not it. What he's right. saying is there's like there's actual true things that even in your circumstances, mm-hmm. most of all the gospel, like regardless right. of how hard you're I mean, you may be a bond servant, like you could be a slave, like he's talking to in First Corinthians. And yet there's something in your circumstances to, to celebrate. There's something in your circumstances that is really of eternal and significant value. So, so for those that are kind of just sitting there, you know, going like, well, how do I do this? Well, yeah. praise produces contentment, right? Mm-hmm. Prayer produces contentment. Peace produces contentment. And practice produces contentment. Like, cultivate these attitudes and these actions in your own mind. And if it, I, I wouldn't put all peas on those except... Like those are the words that the text actually uses. So I thought it like, was I'm very not, clever. I'm not big on alliteration <laughs> always, but though, like when it jumps off the page like that, mm-hmm. you know, think about spending time on those things. You yeah. know, as opposed to allowing your mind to be consumed with the negative things that you're discontent with in your life. Thank you for that application. One of the the things that I also noted is that you said when we're constantly striving to live for a different circumstance, we're also denying God's sovereignty. Bingo. We're also saying, God, you are sovereign, but in this moment, I don't think you know what you're doing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I was convicted by there's so much we cannot understand. Yeah. November 6th is coming. We mm-hmm. always like to say in the office, Sunday's coming, right? It so is we always have, around the corner. <laughs> we have preparations to do. So... What are some companion texts? What are some things that we can be meditating on, thinking on as you prepare to bring us um, the word on Sunday, Brad? What would you encourage us to do? Well, well, practically, our text will be 1 Corinthians 7, verses 25 through 40. All right, we'll cover the rest of the chapter in which he addresses this question of those that are betrothed. He addresses those that are unmarried, those that are widows, and he kind of speaks specifically to the singleness question. We hinted at that a couple of weeks ago yeah. when we talked about that specifically. Um, but right in the heart of that text, there's there's three verses that I think are really, really key that I would encourage our listeners to spend some time meditating on. Thank you for sitting down today, Brad. I appreciate it. Thank you for your forward look. Thank you for recapping Sunday for us. Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we wrap it up? Be perfectly considering the text, and we'll see you Sunday. Sounds great. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recaps.